2: It's the KC Laboratory presented by m Bank. With m you can check your balance as fast as you can check the scores. They'll even give you an instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field. m Bank, member FDIC, our partner in Possible here at KC Sports Network. And the game might have seemed impossible last week, but the Chiefs pulled it out. They're 1-0, and they're looking to go to 2-0, and we're here to preview the game in Baltimore against the Ravens, and here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Matthew, hello.
1: Hello, Kent. I thought we did this last week. They are not 1-0. They are the undefeated (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs because it sounds more intimidating. You got to put some base behind it. They are (laughs) eating. And they are facing the Baltimore Ravens this week, a team that they are also undefeated against over the past three seasons. Craig, we can just end the show right now. How bad are the Chiefs going to beat the Ravens? Let's just end it well, now. Tell them how bad it's going to happen.
3: Okay. So here's how the game's going to. No, we ain't giving that to you yet. You got to listen to this whole damn thing. We got stuff to get through, we got this whole thing to break down. So I'm very happy to be coming off a win. Going up against another AFC contender, or at least uh, we think the Ravens might. We'll, we'll see. We'll do we? see. But I don't I, Do we? <laughs> I don't feel as strongly about that one as I maybe do about the Browns, who are a legitimate AFC contender. But we'll see how it's going to go this week. But we got some, some
2: storylines to break down leading up to the Chiefs playing the Ravens. Yep, it's the game preview episode. Three storylines on offense, three storylines on defense, a bunch of other stuff in between. And we'll start with this. We go with the offensive side of the football. And if you are talking about the Chiefs offense or any offense playing the Baltimore Ravens, you have to start
1: with the Blitz, Matt. This is a Wink Martindale defense. That means a lot of Blitzes are coming from a lot of places over and over. I don't know about you guys. I watched the Manning cast of the Ravens Raiders Monday Night Football game. Every other play, there was Peyton Manning rolling his eyes, calling out another cover zero blitz. The farther the game went, Derek Carr finally seemed to understand that, oh, they might be running cover zero against me. I know how to beat this now. So yeah, if you go up against the Ravens, you're going to be facing a lot of blitzes. You're going to get a lot of man coverage behind a lot of these blitzes. You're going to get a lot of cover zero looks. That means they are going to be pressuring you with as many guys as they can that do not have a designated player to cover when they go out in routes. The Chiefs in these past few matchups have had absolutely no problem beating that blitz. Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal against the blitz. You know, you want to bring extra guys, give him more room to throw the football. He'll take that all day. His ability to throw from different arm angles, to move around in the pocket, makes it really easy for him to beat the blitz on his own. Add in Andy Reid's scheme advantage that he has when he knows something like this is coming. It gets really difficult for a defense that's going to play this blitz-heavy approach against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you're going to see a lot of the same if the Ravens decide to do that. Chiefs are going to have a big day throwing the ball like they have the last two times they've played the Ravens.
3: Yeah, I said in the preseason that Steve Spagnuolo was channeling his inner Wink Martindale. I was wrong. I, it was way wrong because I didn't realize Wink was going to come out and run this much cover zero. Week one, it was just over and over and over to the point. That one of the Manning brothers asked the other, What do you think is coming? He said, 0.0, like so confident that it was going to be cover zero, and it was. And <laughs> Derek Carr beat it, and it happened time and time again. The Ravens were down cornerbacks, they're down Marcus Peters. You know, who knows if we're going to see, you know, they're full of guys on the back end, just in general. There's a lot of guys that are nursing some injuries that we're not sure if we're going to see this next Sunday night. But that didn't matter. Like The Ravens still blitz like crazy. They got fast linebackers that can close the distance on a quarterback that's sitting in the pocket. But like Maddie said, Patrick Mahomes is very, very, very good at making those adjustments in real time, finding the open guy, and the Chiefs have these guys, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, even McCole Hardman. If you want to put him on the vertical plane, he's not going to have safety help over the top. Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to uncork some stuff standing in the pocket, knowing that this blitz is coming, knowing that he's got one-on-one matchups across the board, and they're going to win because that's what Patrick Mahomes has done best against this Ravens defense in the past. And it doesn't look like if week one is any in indication against the Raiders that
2: Wink Martindale has changed
3: anything
2: going forward in this season. Like the chiefs often necessitate identity, identity crisis with teams because they force the, they force teams to maybe play outside of what they normally will do. That hasn't been the case for wink Martindale. Historically, he's just like, ah, eh, screw it. We're going to be us. We're going to do what we do. And if what we do is not good enough, then we'll figure it out. Well, Patrick Mahomes has proven time and time again, that what they do is not good enough. And it was evidence last year And they put 27 points on the board in the first half on the road. I know without fans, but on the road against the Ravens, the Chiefs put 27 points on the board. Andy maybe adjusted some things a little bit late there at the end. Kind of what they always do. They got off to a three-score lead and then kind of took the gas off the break or took the uh, foot off the gas a little bit there. Yeah, that's that's quite the... uh, Am I still yeah. in preseason here? Re- or?
3: Remind me not to ride with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah,
2: I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you know, like these guys are saying. They, I don't know why, but maybe that Wheat Martin might just do what he does. And even with some, even with some injuries, good luck, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> we saw how that worked against the Raiders late
1: Uh, I would get the process if I'm the Ravens, I would get the process of challenging this Chiefs offensive line to pick up blitzes, to mm -hmm. pick up, you know, confusing looks, to figure out who's coming, where the protection is going to be, because this is still going to be only the second game that this offensive line is going to be playing together. I don't think the Cleveland Browns particularly challenged them that way very often in week one. So if you're the Ravens, you could, you know, try to rely on that. You could try to catch. Trey Smith and Lucas Nyank two essential rookies being on op- different pages, or Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, you know, just these guys not being on the same page rep after rep. So I do think that there is a rationale behind the Ravens still throwing all these blitzes at the Chiefs, despite you know past games, past matchups not going their way. I still think Patrick Mahomes, it's a scary thing to do against him. I still think he's going to tear it up if they go the same way they did against the Raiders, especially if they don't disguise it any better than they did against the Raiders. It's just, there is a precedent to do that to this chief's team though.
2: I think, you know, the the one thing though, yes, you're absolutely right. There, there's, there could be some communication issues up front, this group, but Patrick Mahomes also good at the math when it comes to the rush, when it comes to the blitzes. And that's the thing that I would be worried about if I were them, because he still has a really good job of, does a really good job of, you know, understanding the numbers, understanding who's coming, where, how it can be beat and who he can beat it with. And that's the thing that would bother me if I'm, if I'm the, uh, if I'm the Ravens. All right. Well, if you're going to be blitzing a lot, there's a good chance you're playing a lot of man coverage behind it. And that is something that the Ravens have done. And it's, um, you know, it, it's fun when the Chiefs play man teams because they don't see a ton of them very often but there is a lot of instances that you will see Andy Reed in his bag with his man beaters. He does a lot of great stuff to get guys free, get guys sneaking out the backside of a formation maybe, or the backside of a play. Uh, maybe the running back out of the backfield, for instance, Clyde Edwards, A'Laire, a guy that has had uh, a lot of success in the passing game in his short amount of time against man teams, teams that want to play man. Andy Reed's got a lot of great looks, um, you know, he's beat them on, he's beat the Ravens specifically on the running back crossing the formation and sneaking out the backside of the formation in the red zone back-to-back seasons here for touchdowns. I believe Clyde Edwards-Alaire got one last year and, uh, Damon Williams got it the year before. So there's a lot of success that's been had, uh, with man beaters with the running back. I think those are, I, I honestly think, you know, Andy reid has got a lot of different ways to do it. I think Clyde edwards lair could be a big part of the game there.
3: Yeah, and Andy does really well in these types of games with schemed-up looks. You know, I we we call them design plays for, like, McCall Hardman in the first 15. This is the time. Like, you, you line a lot of those up. You can get the defense an over-aggressive defense that wants to flow quickly to spots. He, Andy Reid even called him in the presser this week, called this defense fast, very fast. I'm reading behind, between the lines there, and I'm saying Andy Reid's going to take full advantage of the fact that this defense is ridiculously aggressive and throw a bunch of window dressing at him and get a design look over here that's going to be a man-beater, that's going to get a guy open and into space, and I think that that's where they're going to win. That's where they're going to have success. These are the types of games that Andy Reid thrives in, so I fully expect We're going to see a lot of these, not just early, not just in that first 15, but we're going to see it after that as well. Maybe some additional stuff based off of the first 15 that you're just going to see these linebackers not exactly know where the play is
1: going. Well, I think you're going to get a lot of the traditional man beaters. You're going to get a lot of mesh concepts, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of comebacks and routes with hard breaks. I think that's going to be all over this game. It's absolutely going to be. But I think the bigger way where the Chiefs might try to attack kind of this man coverage aspect is just through personnel, like we talked about. The Ravens are down some guys in the second day. You know they don't have Marcus Peters, so now all of a sudden you're removing one of you know the better cornerbacks in the NFL, who can you know he doesn't have elite speed, but he can match up with anybody in the NFL and not be completely at, at a mismatch. Now all of a sudden it goes from Marcus Peters to Anthony avery or Tavon Young. They're going to be matched up with Macol Hardman running vertical routes. They're going to potentially be matched up with Tyree Kill. Unless Marlon Humphreys decides that he's going to, you know, just follow him. He's going to follow him all over the field, which I think is probably the best move. Put your best corner in Tyree Kill. He's the hardest, he's the biggest man-to-man mismatch in the entire NFL. It's just somebody running with Tyree Kill. So put your best player on him. But that just opens up the rest of the secondary. So like Craig's saying, a lot of window dressing. You're going to have to trust these linebackers or Chuck Clark, who's a good player, but he's not a good enough to stop Travis Kelsey player. Nobody is. but def- I mean, just nobody on this Ravens team is. How are they going to approach the personnel mismatch that I think the Chiefs are bringing into this game now that the Ravens have a couple injuries on that back seven?
3: Not just that. But they're also tired, really, yeah. really tired from having to play an almost full overtime period, and the Raiders trotting Henry Ruggs out there and having him run vertical route after vertical route after vertical route. That that team is t- and Darren Waller too. Like you know, those guys were stressing that Baltimore secondary with vertical speed. These guys are gonna be exhausted and they're going to come out with maybe some dead legs against Tyree Kill, McCall Hardman, and Travis Kelsey. That is a recipe for disaster.
1: I mean, listen, Darren Waller got 19 targets against this defense. This defense could not stop Darren Waller from getting open. Darren Waller is a very athletic, very talented NFL tight end. He's not Travis Kelsey. You give Travis Kelsey the ninth, the caliber of 19 targets that Darren Waller got because he was open on the majority of these. Drop some yeah. easy one. He dropped some, yeah. Derek Carr left him out to dry a couple times, but I mean, easily this could be 17, 16, 17 catches for Travis Kelsey. And I mean, God knows how many yards he's going for in that situation. So I do think the Ravens are going to have to do a lot better at covering a tight end than they did against the Raiders, or it's going to get ugly fast. And I do think they know that everybody just watched Travis Kelsey score two touchdowns against the Browns and tear them up. So the Ravens do have to make adjustments there. It's just looking at this, you know, defensive secondary, I don't see how they cover this team all
2: right well if you take away marcus Mariota's 31 yard scamper the las vegas raiders ran 20 times for 51 yards not a good performance on the ground and the chiefs really weren't able to do much on the ground this last week either that's gotta be a big question mark a big storyline for this game is can this run game get any traction matt
1: these a tough matchup. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, I don't think this is the best roster they've had over the past couple seasons, but they're still big up front. I mean, Derek Wolf, if he's able to play, Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, that's a stout, you know, three down defensive lineman. Justin yeah. Houston rotating with Pernell McPhee. You have some speed at linebacker with Patrick Queen, Tyus Bowser. Like They have guys in that front seven. They don't make it easy to run. I think you saw that with the Las Vegas Raiders really struggling to find their footing, the Chiefs. Also struggled to find their footing in the run game. I know everybody loves this Cleveland Browns team and thinks they're the most talented team that's ever existed. I don't see it up the middle. I really think teams are going to have success running up the middle on them. That linebacker group doesn't impress me. And the Chiefs really struggled to do so. I think the blocking was good at times. Maybe the running back wasn't always seeing the right holes. He might have left some yards out there. But the Chiefs, you know, offensive line provided some holes, some gaps, but not a ton. The run game did not look like it was clicking as much as the passing game. I don't know if this is a week that's really going to get going. It doesn't look like the the Ravens are a team that notoriously doesn't give up a lot of yards on the ground. This might not be the week to do so. I will like the, the second week, the back-to-back week, the challenge of this young offensive line to see if they can physically impose their will like they were able to do at times in the second half against the Cleveland Browns. There's some times in there where that offensive line got a good four or five yards of push on that Cleveland Browns defensive front. If they can do that to this Ravens defensive line as well, I think that will send a big statement to the league. So I do hope they come out early in this game and let them get going for that.
3: Oh, and by the way, they the Baltimore Ravens might stick out Odafe Owa, a guy with ridiculous speed and that the Ravers left unblocked a couple times, and he just crossed the backside of the formation like it was nothing. So, some of these things that we've talked about, these gap schemes that we've talked about with the Chiefs going forward that leave that backside defensive end unblocked. Maybe you don't do that when O is <laughs> on the field, and even Justin Houston. So I am looking to see if this run game can give a little more traction for the Chiefs this week. Just like I'm ready for Macadoodles, our good pals, to get some traction in Kansas City. Now, we know good and well that this is a good liquor store. And not to beat my own drum here, but I go to a lot of liquor stores. And this is my favorite. So we need one of these in Kansas City so I can go to one of my favorite places and go to one of my favorite liquor stores, get the best selection, the best customer service at the very best prices. You are a franchisee. You gotta get on this right here and now. You are missing tailgate opportunities this season. The Kansas City Chiefs are the hottest ticket in town. People wanna go pick up their booze there. They wanna go out to the stadium. You need a Macadoodles here. So if you are a franchisee, get a hold of Roger at infomacadoodles.com. At get some traction in Kansas City, just like the Chiefs run game is hoping to get traction against this Baltimore Ravens defense.
2: Mercy, Craig. That was wildly impressive. You're getting better there. and better at these. <laughs> You're just what a talented human. Uh, speaking of talented humans, here's some players to watch, Craig. Yeah, uh, my player to watch this
3: week is right tackle Lucas Niang. I felt like Lucas Niang had a pretty decent game against the Browns. Maddie wrote a phenomenal article on the KCSN mm-hmm. sub stack. It was terrific rave reviews, specifically from me, but I, I really loved him highlighting what the offensive tackles are, you know, supposed to do within the Chiefs scheme felt like Niang did a pretty good job with that. He is going to face a couple of guys that are speed rushers and a couple of guys that have a lot of technical ability on this Ravens roster. And they're going to line up from a wide nine. And they are going to try and rush more of a linear path rather than, you know, up the arc, bend around the tackle. So it's going to be imperative that Lucas Niang make sure he hits his drops, make sure he hits it at nine yards, and keeps that pocket integrity because we're going to see a lot of guys coming off the edge there. We're going to see Justin Houston, a guy that we all know as Chiefs fans, is going to be very motivated, and when he's motivated, he plays ridiculously well. So I want to see Lucas Niang have a good game against these guys. Take that next step from week one to week two and keep Patrick Mahomes upright. He's going to get a big test.
1: So I'm gonna stick on the offensive line and I'm gonna go with the rookie out of Oklahoma and Creed Humphrey. I think he played really good against the Cleveland Browns. I don't think he was challenged a ton in that game. You know, I don't think their interior defensive line is near as strong as the exterior, you know, as the defensive ends. But in this game, the Ravens have done a lot with Calais Campbell over the years, lining him up as a pure nose tackle in pass stretching situations. It's gonna be up to Creed Humphrey to handle that. Can he take that one-on-one matchup? And- stretching situations that you're going to have blitzes coming from everywhere, you're going to have all these guys standing up around you know, the line of scrimmage, you're going to be locked in one-on-one with Calais Campbell, who is a physical freak at the position, how's Creed Humphrey going to handle that? That's a different challenge than when you're dealing with you know, Andrew Billings or Malik McDowell coming as a shade against the Cleveland Browns. This is a different animal. How's Creed Humphrey going to do in that regard? How's he going to look getting up to the second level, chasing down the athleticism of Patrick Queen and Tyus Bowser and guys like that. So I think this is a good test for Humphrey coming up here in week two.
2: I have, uh, I've been a little hard on Nicole Hardman, uh, the last, uh, what you, (laughs) yeah, for how long? I know. Right. Uh, this, this third season, right? So yeah, I mean, there are some games that make a lot of sense for him and, Last year against the Baltimore Ravens, McCole Hardman had one of those explosive plays, a 49-yarder, and he got four catches for 81 yards in that game. A, a tired secondary, a tired football team, uh, that's going to pro- probably try to run a lot of man. You can a guy that can run away from it; he'll get protected with some stacks and stuff. At the, you know, in, in, in by alignment, I could see McCole Hardman sneaking out. And running away from somebody for an explosive play, he did it last year. This is the kind of game. This is one of those games. You know, there's, there's you know, four or five explosive play games every year from, or every year from him. And this could be one of those. Keep an eye on McCole Hardman. Uh, if you're in fantasy, this might be one of those boomer bust type moves here that you might like in some of those lineups. So that's a guy I would keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about the defensive side of the football. It's time, Craig. I know Craig can pr- finally breathe a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. And rushing Lamar Jackson has got to be. Wait a be-
1: second. Wait a second. Right, is he really <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief to talk about this defense after that <laughs> week one performance?
2: Hey, there's some people back in the mix here we might mm-hmm. wind up talking about. I don't know. Maybe things will be a little different this week. But rushing Lamar Jackson is a big storyline, a big conversation worth having. We were even debating a little bit about it earlier, you know, a contain rush or not. There's a lot to unpack here.
3: Yeah, and the way that the Raiders approached this game was more of a traditional four-man rush, which has been tough to do against the Baltimore Ravens in the past. I mean, Ronnie Stanley, very good tackle. Orlando Brown. Very good tackle. They've had some ridiculously good interior offensive linemen on this team. It's been one of the better offensive lines in the league for a number of years now. All the Raiders did was line up with four and whoop this offensive line. Alejandro Villanueva looked cooked. Absolutely cooked. And I mean, Max Crosby looks good this year. Don't get me wrong. He looks better than we've seen him probably ever in the NFL But that man absolutely bodied Alejandro Villanueva. So I I just, it was worse than I would have thought it was. And then Max Crosby flipped over to the other side of the line and whooped Ronnie Stanley a little bit too. (laughs) So those are not the things that we've seen out of the Ravens too terribly often. Now, we know we got Chris Jones. We know we're probably going to have Frank Clark coming back. He practiced in full on Wednesday. So it's to be expected that Frank Clark will be a go this week those are your best two defensive linemen and they're going to line up on these guys that really struggled last week now i know you're going to want to try and keep lamar jackson in the pocket that is the goal but with how effortlessly the raiders were able to beat you know the, these offensive tackles not just with crosby with with multiple people it is a situation where you got to line up your best players over those guys and try and beat them up just the same way that the Vegas Raiders did.
1: In, in the past couple matchups, the way the Chiefs had attacked you know, the Baltimore Ravens offense has been by mush rushing. They've been essentially rushing for contain from the outside. You're very much paying attention to your gap responsibility. You got defensive tackles or essentially almost pass rushing like they're two-gapping. You have defensive ends who, yeah, they're getting upfield a little bit, but then they're slowing down, looking to duck back underneath the offensive tackle when Lamar Jackson tries to escape. All of a sudden now, you get these Las Vegas Raiders they're coming in. They're just rushing for. They're attacking the back of the pocket. They're just rushing him like he's a typical quarterback with their defensive ends, and it's working. Ronnie Stanley's coming back from a significant injury. We'll see how that's going to turn. out Look, this second week in a row. Will Frank Clark, will Chris Jones be able to take care of that? You have Alejandro Villanueva. Look, like he's a 36-year-old guy playing right tackle for the first time in the NFL. Shocking, I know. <laughs> like you're going to have rough matchups for both of those offensive tackles. I do think no matter what, though, the key is going to be the interior of the Chiefs defensive line is going to need to play gap responsible. You can't give big gaps up the middle for Lamar Jackson to escape. You can't let him run straight north and south, get into space versus these linebackers with the head of steam. The defensive tackles do need to remain gap responsible. They do need to slow down their rush a little bit. We saw a nice spin move out of Jaron Reed. He's one of the few interior guys that got pressure versus the Browns. Against the Ravens, that six yard scramble is a 16 yard, 60 yard scramble against Lamar Jackson. So you can't do that. You have to maintain your rushing lane against him. But if you're going to try to let these defensive ends eat, I think that might be a strategy you can actually use this year against the Ravens.
2: And That's going to be interesting. Cause a lot of what Steve Spagnuolo has preached is that slow march to a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Um, and I, you know, Jaron Reed's kind of in the slow burn pass rush. You guys have talked about him. You know, he's kind of picking stuff up. He actually might be a guy that makes a lot of sense if you're kind of making a methodical path to that quarterback and trying to keep him in front of you. Um, it, I am I'm interested to see how this team goes about, um, you know, goes about trying to to rush Lamar Jackson, because I think, you know, the, the Raiders did a pretty good job and had some success. All right. Uh, some concepts to keep an eye up in the pa- eye on in the passing game. Some bubbles. Some boundary fr- boundary fades. Craig, you want to talk a little bit about this?
3: Yeah, when I watched that week one matchup against the Raiders, I saw a lot of stacked formations, maybe even balanced dual stack formations, and they ran a lot of RPOs out of that where they threw a lot of bubbles. So they're pulling the guard and the tackle around, showing gap schemes to try and get the linebackers to suck forward, and then throwing bubbles to the boundary. We also saw a lot of boundary fades on Lamar Jackson's traditional dropbacks. Guys, these are exactly what Steve Spagnuolo wants you to do. Against his defense, he wants to throw underneath some physical, hard tackling cornerbacks, guys that want to get downhill. You know, Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker, we saw them really light guys up in the preseason getting downhill. So does, we know Travarius Warden and need do as well. So I just think that we're going to see a lot of that in front of those guys get stopped. Or quick gains especially if Tyron Matthews on the field and alerting them to those sorts of concepts and then the deeper drops where you know Lamar Jackson's trying to get downfield trying to get vertical are the stuff that Steve Spagnuolo wants to give up playing that too high safety look keeping the safety over the top and forcing a low percentage throw Lamar Jackson did not look good throwing those throws this past week I would expect that you know, against the defense is going to challenge him to make even tighter window throws on those types of things. It's going to be even harder for him to fit some of that stuff in. So what I saw from last week was really kind of playing into the hands of what the Chiefs do really well. So I kind of hope we see more of that.
1: And it's oddly like a tendency breaker for the Ravens. They've been one of the worst yards after catch teams in the NFL these last couple seasons. Even with the speed, you know, of Marquise Brown with Mark Andrews and athletic tight end and their good running back room, they've been really bad in yards after catch. Lamar Jackson, also really bad throwing outside the numbers. Like These are two things that have been objectively bad about their offense. So they come out in week one against the Raiders and they try to incorporate a lot of it. Like I guess a little bit against that cover three scheme the Raiders are trying to run, it kind of makes sense, but it's still two things that this Ravens offense has not been known to do and actually has been known to be pretty poor at. So you don't know if they're trying to evolve this offense that seriously does need to take some kind of step forward schematically. Or if they were just trying to break tendencies, I think it'll be interesting to watch against the Chiefs if they keep that up. And like Craig said, if they want to run a bunch of bubbles and force these Chiefs defensive backs to tackle them in the open field, or they want to throw fade routes where these corners are trying to pin guys against the sideline using their length and you know their physical ability, go for it. Like I would take that all day. Don't attack the middle of the field, please. Please keep everything to the outside. Let those corners, let those guys play out in space. Like I'm okay with that. So I think this does bode well for the Chiefs if this is like something the Ravens plan to do all season long.
2: Well, all season long, I'll be telling you to go and visit Hal at Ruback Fine Jewelry. And I've been telling all my friends personally to do it. And I had a friend take me up, visit him recently. And he vouched for everything I have been trying to tell you. Had a longtime friend uh, who's in the market go and speak with hal spend a little bit of time with him didn't feel the pressure of of a jewelry salesman like you might see at some other places you know what hal does at Ruback fine jewelry is take care of the people that walk into his 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 door and he's trying to build a a custom ring buying experience for you that doesn't pressure you to go outside of the range that you're not comfortable at ultimately he's happy if you're happy and it was cool that Somebody else outside of me that I've you know that I'm friends with was able to vouch for you know what I've been trying to tell everybody. I wish when I was going to buy my engagement ring, I had known about how. I really do because that man has has done so much for a lot of different people and I hope you give him a chance to do the same for you if you are looking for an engagement ring or honestly any any jewelry needs. It's not just engagements. I know we harp on engagements a lot. But there's 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 a lot of other uh you know there's a lot of other moments in life that uh that that have that, that, that jewelry could be could be awesome. So, go to ruback.co. No M. ruback.co. Set an appointment with how like one of my buddies did. I promise you, you will have a wonderful experience. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the vaunted Ravens run game.
1: Although they seem to kind of mix things up a little bit more than they have in the past here, Maddie. And when the Ravens mix things up with the rushing attack, that actually means that they dialed it way back. Their rushing attack versus the Raiders got a lot more vanilla. There was a lot less, you know, trickery. There was a lot less multi-read option facet stuff coming out of the pistol. There was a lot less misdirection. And there's a couple things you can accredit that to. The offensive line is all new. They've been dealing with some injuries, moving guys in and out. So all of a sudden you have a lower tier of offensive line with new faces it's hard to you know pull your tackles and your guards i mean we everybody's seen the play by now they literally pulled their offensive guards and tackles into each other on one play in particular (laughs) at the same
3: time
1: (laughs) it's hard to get all this stuff down you add on the three running backs that have been in the system all get injured during, you know, lead up to the season. So now you're using a new running back that hasn't really been there. It's hard to get the footwork and the timing down with all the read option stuff, especially out of the pistol, out of some of their offset eye formations. So you just, it's really hard to have a super complex rushing game when you have all these new pieces coming in, when you are losing talent along the offensive line and the backfield. Essentially, their rushing game became a lot easier to stop. And unlike the Browns, where you knew it was coming, You very much knew exactly what was coming, but they executed it so flawlessly that it was impossible to stop. The Ravens aren't executing this rushing attack at that same level. So you don't have to, I don't think you should be worried about that same kind of repeat performance out of the rushing defense. And I don't know if the Ravens are there right now, schematically, to have their running backs hurt you in the same way the Cleveland Browns did, or that you may have been feared in the past. Now, Lamar Jackson. Different story, but just mm-hmm. the concept of the rushing game out of the running backs shouldn't worry too much as a Chiefs fan because it did not look good against the Raiders.
3: It didn't look good. It was still effective. Don't get me wrong. It, <laughs> it just didn't. It just didn't look good. They put a lot of yards up, but they also cut a running back in Trenton Cannon this week. So they're probably calling up Le'Veon Bell this week. It remains to be seen Ooh. how they're going to do that. Woohoo. Okay. Latavius Murray. Tavius Murray was signed earlier, you know, this past week. So these are still all guys that are brand new to the system. It's not like you're going to call these guys up and say, all right, you know exactly what our run game is because you don't. The Ravens don't have a similar run game to anybody else in the NFL. Yes, they can have base concepts and they're running base concepts. We got to see that ran a lot of stretch stuff, a lot of outside zone early in the game They kind of transitioned a little more to inside zone because it was working better. They still had some gap schemes, but a lot of that pistol stuff, a lot of that stuff that we're so used to seeing that read option stuff was not ran. It just wasn't there as much as a Greg Roman offense is built to run. And that's, that's not taking anything away from Greg Roman. He's been dealt a rough hand to start this season on offense, but, It's not going to get any better. These guys all of a sudden in week two aren't going to know the entire complex playbook or anything like that. I still think they'll have success. I still have questions about this Chiefs run defense. But it's not going to be, like Maddie said, to the same execution level or sophistication even that the Cleveland Browns run game was. I think it'll be a little more basic, and I think you're going to see a lot more miscommunications like we saw when the guards and the tackles on both sides of the center pulled and ran into
2: each other trying to cross the backside of the formation. Hilarious. But I think you still have to prepare for some of the stuff we've seen and some of the dangerous aspects that have presented themselves in the last few years with the Ravens. And I think that's the thing that's going to make it interesting is there is going to have to be a lot of time spent on everything because, you know, some of the offense that you saw in like the first quarter of that Ravens game, I would call a little bit, maybe more traditional than what we've seen, you know, historically with some of the stuff, arc blocks, motioning the the fullback into, you know, running the arc block and, and some of that kind of stuff. You kind of saw a little bit more of that out of the you know that pistol stuff a little bit later in the game, but I mean they the the Ravens tried to kind of I don't know, I don't want to say boring, but it was, you know, a lot of more tradi- like some more traditional drop backs, some more traditional run. Uh and then they kind of tried to introduce some of their other stuff there. So it's going to be interesting. There's a, there might be a little bit more to prepare for still. Uh, you still have might might have to prepare for a few things. Uh then, you know, you can't just you can't just assume can't make any assumptions. And that's, that'll, that's what I'm going to be interested in is if they come out and they run what they've been doing the last few years and the cheese get caught with their pants down a little bit, you know, well, she
1: suffer another Latavius Murray game out of nowhere. I, Oh boy. We can't, I don't know if we can do that again.
2: Well, hopefully these players to watch will help who you got, Craig.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, the Ravens like to run a lot of heavy personnel, But they didn't use it quite as much in week one. There's a lot of 11 personnel still. So that means Legereus Need will end up in the slot, in the nickel, a lot. And that means he's going to have to be an active participant in defending a lot of that run game that we just talked about, a lot of these stretch runs. And even when the Ravens are doing a little bit more of their horizontal passing game against those bubble screens, running backs flaring out to the flat, like you've got to have somebody that can transition quickly, get downhill, and make some open field tackles. Lejarius Sneed missed a couple tackles, uncharacteristic of him this past week, but against some bigger dudes in Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. I expect a bounce-back game from Lejarius Sneed. I think we're going to see the best version of Lejarius Sneed this weekend. And oh, by the way, those boundary fates I talked about, please throw one against my man Legarius Sneed and have him go up and pluck himself his first interception of the year.
1: So I wanted to go with the entire linebacker room, but I got vetoed. I was shot down by Hollywood Swanson himself. So I had to pick a specific player. Nick <laughs> Bolton. I'm going with Nick Bolton here. I think Nick Bolton, you know, depending on who you talk to, had some an up and down performance against the Cleveland Browns. I think there are some promising things that you saw from him. He was able to play strong against the run when he was coming downhill. When they had Chiefs lined him on the line of scrimmage and said, hey, go hit the guy in front of you, I think he did a really good job. He played the run well. He played very physical. When he got pulled out of the space, it didn't look near as good. There was very limited range to his game. So it'll be interesting to see how he's tested versus the Ravens. And what, what I found really interesting, he got a lot of the nickel reps against the Cleveland Browns. Now, part of that is because the Cleveland Browns, even when they would go with 11 personnel or if it's going to be second and 10, they're still very likely to run. Guess who else is? The Baltimore Ravens. So I think you could see another bigger nickel package. I don't know if Ben Neiman is going to ever get that nickel, you know, linebacker roll back as long as Willie Gay's out or not. Maybe it changes first the Chargers, who's more willing to pass it. But the Ravens, another rush-heavy team, I think Bolton's going to be out there for the majority of the snaps at linebacker. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Somebody for the Chiefs needs to step up tight end. They couldn't slow down any of the tight ends for the Cleveland Browns. Hopefully, you know, Nick Bolton, Anthony Hitchens, whoever's out there can slow down Mark Andrews a little bit. I really do want to see Nick Bolton showcase a little bit more kind of variety to his run defense game. I want to see him not just be the hammer. Let's see him scrape over the top and show some range. Let's see him shoot a couple gaps. I just want to see his role expand a little bit or his skill set expand this week against the Ravens.
2: I wanted to pick two players that are gonna make their uh, season debuts, but Hollywood Swanson wouldn't let me either. Uh, I'm gonna roll with Tyron Matthew. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew. This is our first chance of looking at him, and I I think in any game that you can get a guy of his caliber, his ball skills, his ability back in the back end of your defense, that's that's critical. But also the communication levels, the communication on the back end getting things organized there, I think could be really important. And let's not just let's not pretend like he's not one of the best safeties in football either. It's a big addition back into the mix. And it's kind of remarkable that the Chiefs have been able, you know, that they, they pulled that thing, they pulled that thing off without Tyron Matthew without Frank Clark, who I would have mentioned, but uh, I'm going with Tyron Matthew, his NFL or his uh, 2021 season debut, uh, and, you know, I think he's played well against the Ravens historically. I'm hoping for another performance like that. Time for predictions. What we got, boys? All right.
3: The Las Vegas Raiders took this team into overtime, were able to put up 33 points against a heavy blitzing Wink Martindale team through Derek Carr's arm. You know who's a better arm than Derek Carr? Kirk Cousins, but also Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. It's a lot of milk. It's a lot of milk. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes is going to light up this defense if they blitz as heavy and play as much man as they did against the Raiders. Now, I do expect Martindale knows this. He's going to change up his scheme a little bit, but he's not going to be able to help himself, and we've seen the Chiefs really put it on this team, especially early in games get out to that huge lead, protect it, go vanilla. And in that situation, we're going to see the chiefs try and flex their muscles a little bit in the run game. As Maddie said, not the best matchup for that, but we might see some more drives, you know, kind of maintained a little more than we have with the chiefs in the past. So I'm expecting this team to come out, put it on the Ravens early, put it on that defense early, force Lamar Jackson to be a passer, which beneficial for this team Chiefs win
1: 38-21. Listen, there's one team in the NFL that I think the Chiefs just simply have their number. It's the Baltimore Ravens. On paper, everybody always tries to talk about how this is the perfect matchup against these. No, you're wrong. It's not. If you can't pressure the Chiefs defense both ways, and that means through the air and on the ground, Steve Spagnuolo is going to be so deep into his bag, he is mm. going to make your life miserable. Go back and watch any Ravens game of the past against the Chiefs. It is hard to get anything done against this Chiefs team until deep in the fourth quarter when the game is a blowout and nobody cares. This Chiefs team does not get beat by the Ravens. They are, they, everything the Chiefs do well beats what the Ravens do well. How the Ravens want to attack teams is exactly how the Chiefs want you to play against them. They want you to be one-dimensional. They want you to try to throw and beat their safeties through the middle of the field. They want you to challenge Tyron Matthew dropping down into the robber roll, for 18 tight ends. They want you you know, to try to smash the ball up into their defensive tackles rather than running out to the edge and testing their linebacker speed. I think the Chiefs are going to beat this Ravens team handily, just like they have the last couple times. There's nothing the Ravens can do to beat the Chiefs. It will have to be self-implosion, and I don't see that happening with Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark coming back. Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs win 35 to 20. And it's not that close, just like the last two games until midway through the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, I'm going to break the trend here and not predict a blowout because when all three of us predict blowouts, bad things happen. Coward. Yeah, I'm going 31 27. Your Kansas City Chiefs win. I think it could actually. I do actually think this game could wind up being a little bit closer than these guys are prediction, predicting. It's the first true road game that the Chiefs have had with a full crowd in a while. Uh, the road factor could actually be back in the mix. It's a night game. Uh, there's some external factors there. the The Ravens don't. The Ravens are. They can't start 0 and two man. This this team. I, I think you're gonna get the best version of this football team. Uh, I think you know that they might even be in their bag a little bit more than they would have, maybe. Uh, and I could see that happening. And you know what? Lamar makes a couple big plays down the field in the passing game. May not be the most likely things. He's missed a lot the last three years. The time these times the Chiefs have played, it could think it, it could be a little bit closer than we think. 31-27, I still got the Chiefs winning in a closer game, but I have them continuing. To be undefeated. How about that, More Maddie? More base. That- undefeated. Un- undefeated. Undefeated. Oh, yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with the KCSN postgame show live after the game.